Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Greetings and welcome. This is Clint Wells from Metal Up Your Podcast, and you are listening to Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. Come with me now, my babies, on a journey of music. Here we are. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's a lovely day here in Nashville, Tennessee. I got home this morning from a gig in Louisiana. Ethan's still on the road. If you're joining us for the first time and you're wondering, what the hell is this? These are bonus episodes. It's a radio show where Ethan and I curate for you an hour of music. Usually, we try to pick some stuff that might be unexpected of us. Ethan and I have a very diverse interest in music. It's a wonderful opportunity to talk about our influences, to turn you on to new bands, maybe even play some of the music that we've been working on, which I'm going to do today. So this is not Metallica content. Um, Our episode will be dropping tomorrow, which is Monday evening. It'll be a day late. And my wife and kid are out of town. They went to the beach without me, without old dad. And uh, it wasn't malicious, of course, not that I know of. I couldn't go because I had to work. But now I'm here, and the house is quite empty and quite quiet. And I must tell you, dear listeners out there, I do not like it. Okay? I do not like it when my family's not here. There's a little man inside of me. I'm always like, oh, we're going to be gone, so you're just going to be at the house all day Sunday. There's a little part of me, a little sliver, that thinks, woohoo, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. But the reality is, I don't really want to do anything that doesn't involve them. So, I've been sitting in my studio, um, I wrote a song, I recorded a song, I cleaned up a session, I made a sandwich, I I made all sorts of things. And I looked up at the clock and it was only 3 o'clock. And I thought like an entire day had gone by. So here we are, and uh, I thought I would take the opportunity to do a radio episode. These are fun for me, because I get to talk about music that I love, and uh, I get to 
give you guys content. We're so grateful for you guys out there listening. We will be back on track tomorrow with full-on up-your-ass Metallica content. However, for today, we will not be listening to Metallica. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, shit. Oh, crap. Clint's going to play some sensitive stuff. Well, maybe I will. Maybe I just might. But for now, I'm going to play a wonderful song by a great rock band called Middle Class Rut. And this is actually a song that Ethan turned me on to via one of his radio episodes. And uh, this song's called One Dead Away. It's a barn burner. We're going to check it out now.
that's the real deal, folks. And believe it or not, that is a duo, okay? That is a guitar player and a drummer making all of that wonderful ruckus. Again, it's called One Dead Away. The record, I believe, I have it right here. It's called No Name, No Color. It came out in 2010. Just a Sacramento, California-based duo rocking it in the fucking world, reminding us all what it's like to channel that power and that passion. It's very, it's a very uh, pure-sounding vibe to me. And uh, I would encourage you guys, if you like it, to go check it out. It's got this cool 90s Beastie Boys-sounding thing. And a lot of the record, too, he sounds like Liam Gallagher from Oasis. I don't know how you all feel about Oasis, okay? But I think I happen to think Oasis is badass. And then, of course, they've got this big punk rock attitude and this post-rock, almost a shoegazer thing, too. It's, again, with the categories, honey, please. Can hardly keep up with all the goddamn categories. I've been a guitar player for a long time. Uh, I started playing in clubs when I was 16 or 17. I was playing in a cover band with a bunch of dudes in their mid to late 20s. And um, a very wonderful, scary experience. Driving down to downtown Birmingham and trying to find parking and load out my gear... And, you know, no one was there to help me. And that's what the world's like, right? And this is before everyone had a fucking computer in their pocket. So, you know, I would talk to the lead singer. And the vibe of the dudes ended up being very brotherly, like older brotherless she. But at first there was almost this, like, they were bummed I was in the band. What happened was um, the lead singer worked with my mom. He was a computer nerd at the office that my mom worked at. But he was a rocker at night. His name was Jace, and we're still friends to this day. But their normal guy, who was their age, quit or joined another band or something. And my dear sweet mother put my name in the proverbial hat, as it were, and said, you know, my son's a, a rock guitar player, and he's really good, and he'd probably, he'd probably be a great fit. So I think I went over to Lead Singer's house, and we played through a bunch of songs. And we were playing, like, Guns N' Roses and Pearl Jam and just a bunch of rock shit. And uh, I had the chops, you know. I had It made sense to have me come play. And, you know, I was a young kid and looked cool and all that stuff. But I definitely was in way over my head. And uh, the, the, you could tell I had to... It was probably about six or to eight months where I had to earn it, you know, with these dudes. So anyway, I'd call them, and they would tell me where the club was, and I would get directions and... But just terrified driving down there and all my gear and having to double park and just all the college kids and going to UAB and seeing, really for the first time other than my dad, seeing just super drunk people. And um, I, when the band would go on set breaks, I couldn't leave the area where I would stand uh, to play because the bar would lose their liquor license. Like I w- The only loophole for me to be in there at 16 was for me to never move. So, the dudes would go on these 20, 30-minute set breaks, meeting ladies and talking to their friends, generally having a good time, and I would just sit there on a stool and quietly, like, turn my amp down and, like, play Crazy Train, you know. And then the night would be over, we'd get paid, the the lead singer would hand a sweaty wad of cash to me, and then it was up to me to load out all my shit at 2 a.m. and drive home where it I grew up in Pelham, Alabama, which is a suburb of Birmingham, um, about 20 minutes south of town. And then I'd have to get up and go to high school. And um, I honestly do not know why I'm telling you this story. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why am I telling you this story? Um, well, anyway, been playing a long time, and I'm trying to just sort of buy time and talk until it occurs to me why I'm telling this fucking story. I'm going to go back in time and listen to what I was saying, and then I'll be right back. Hold on. Just, it's like a DeLorean, except faster. Hold on. Well, I just went back and listened, and I don't know what I was talking about. So uh, I definitely wasn't just trying to tell a story about playing in clubs, but um, we were listening to Middle Class Rut, and I'm going to segue now. I'm gonna listen, we're going to play some music that I've been working on. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm a songwriter and a producer here in town, and whenever I'm not on tour with the country guy I play with, Rodney Atkins, or making lovely uh, Metallica-based podcasts with my homeboy, Ethan Luck, uh, I'm writing songs and producing songs, and there's a, a really cool chick that I've been writing with. I've been friends with her for years. Her name's Rachel Loy, and uh, she's a badass producer and bass player and songwriter in town. She was with Hank Jr. forever. That was like her main touring gig. She's a big session cat here and just a generally well-respected and liked person. Well, Rachel and I have been buds, and we've been hitting it off, and we've even started writing some songs. And the songs we've been writing have been very exciting. We've decided to turn it into an actual project that we are calling Attention Machine. And uh, the songs are... It's hard to explain them, but I'll play this one for you that I love called Blood. And now, these aren't mixed and mastered necessarily. These aren't, like, ready for radio or Spongify or whatever. These are just sort of what I've dreamed up in my head to send to my publisher. And uh, and Rachel and I don't know if we're going to re-record these and re- make a record or just use these stems and get it mixed and mastered. But for now, it's just enough to say that it's been a real treat writing it. And uh, we're looking forward to putting a little band together and performing it. No one's heard this stuff except my wife and my publisher. So here you go, Metal Up Your Podcast Radio family. Enjoy blood. I tell you my name and then you suck up to me. It's all cheap and easy flattery. I've got my eyes on the door over your shoulder.
It's in my blood. There you have it, folks. That's a fun one. Rachel and I, when we get together to write, because we've both been playing for so long. By the way, I remember what I was going to say. It's not that interesting, but I may throw it back in later. Um, the cool thing about writing with Rachel is we've both been in this town for so goddamn long and and the ups and downs of it. We have a lot to talk about in terms of the music industry, how it's changed, what's beautiful about it which what's really murky she's also got a couple uh, i think she has three kids so we're able to talk about parenthood and how that intersects with making music and touring and um it's just this industry really weeds out the weak if you will and so once you get 15 20 years in you can really have an interesting conversation with the people left standing in the room and that song uh blood is kind of about nashville culture which is that to say, any industry culture, any city, it's tough because people don't really, it's hard to tease out in this town who's full of shit and not. And we talk in the song about, we personify it ourselves in the song just to sort of, you know, be a little more diplomatic about it. But looking over the shoulder of someone you're talking to to see if you can talk to someone more important and using people as rungs on a ladder and pretending to be friends because of political um, alliances and and using people emotionally to network. And that was just, it's an, all the songs that we've written for this project, Attention Machine, have been sort of about that, which I really like. I like that when we put our heads together, it's not a lot of boring love songs. Now, the thing that I was going to say is, I've been playing forever, and I remember one of my biggest pet peeves when I was younger, because going back to Middle Class Rut, and all the different subcategories you could put them in. I always hated it when I played with an artist or a band, and they would ask me as the guitar player to help define what their music is. Because here's the deal: when you're on tours, and you're a lot of times when you're on tour, you're also doing radio. So if we're playing at the Paradise in Boston, um, me, the guitar player, and the artist are going to get up at seven in the morning and go to the radio station and play a song and promote the show and promote whatever record we're doing. So I'm always the one getting up early and hanging out with artists and sitting in interviews with them. I just did one with the Bobby Bone Show uh, with with Rodney, which it was a real trip being on the Bobby Bone Show. But occasionally, you know, they would be asked stylistic questions, and then the artist would look at me and be like, well, what do you think? 
people say I'm Americana, people say I'm, you know, alt country. I'm like, dude, don't make me define what you are. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on. So what is it? Is it like post post punk pop rock? Or is it shoegaze, navel gaze, Brit pop post metal fusion? I don't fucking know. And I don't care. I think Rachel, to also piggyback now to blood. See, I don't plan what I say on these things. I'm just, this is like if you were in my studio with me right now having a beer or a soda pop. We're just riffing and bouncing. The thing about Rachel that I love is her voice isn't conventional, but it has so much character and personality. And so I love having people like her in my studio to, it's almost like another tool to use. You know what I mean? Like, I love the idea of, I can't wait to get her behind a microphone. I love, one of my favorite parts is when the song is done and we really like it and then we get to really start bringing it to life in a recording. And as you could hear in that song, there's a lot going on. It was really fun to program all that and all those weird drums and put some Peter Gabriel, um, you know, Mercy Street sauce on the toms and some fun, the Cure counter melodies and mix in some Death Cab for Cutie, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, and I do thank you for listening. Now, moving away from uh, a song I wrote and produced, we're going to move into one of my favorite Bob Schneider songs. We did a record in 2015 called King Kong that I think, um, well, I'm biased because I played all the guitars on it, but I think it's just a really wonderful collection of songs that showcase the his depth and diversity. And this is track one from the record called Han Solo, really touching lyric tying in Star Wars and a really beautiful little love song. And I was really proud of how the guitars came together with my buddy Dwight Baker, who produced the record. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that after you hear the tune. Here's Han Solo from King Kong. Check it.
you're my Han Solo. We got each other no matter where we go. That was really fun. I distinctly remember that song because the way we make Bob's records, which I've made two with him now, 2013's Burden of Proof and 2015's King Kong, and then I I played um, on his new record, Blood and Bones, but I did all, all of my work on that record was done remotely here in Nashville. But the way that we did King Kong and particularly Han Solo is we did a couple of days of what we call basics where you're just getting essentially the drums and the bass like just the foundation and we cut all those together in the room well you know no click just like real music you know and my favorite thing after getting all the basics done so then the drummer gets to go away bass player go away that next day um, I would set up my whole guitar rig my pedal board get an array of guitars and I would set everything up in the control room with Dwight. And we'd have amps mic'd. He had, he had these bitchin' divided by 13 and Vox amps. And uh, he kind of knows what flavor I like. So he would have all that set up for me in an isolated room. And then we would just be able to sit there and, you know, craft the, put candy on these songs. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of you are Bob Schneider fans out there, which, by the way, Bob and I have a podcast called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. You can get it anywhere you hear podcasts. Me and him have been having wild conversations about music and philosophy and sex and art and God and shit on tour buses for like seven or eight years, and it's basically just those conversations, but now for the public to hear. It's very raw, and uh, it gets very, very weird in an awesome way. But... I think Bob is just a wonderful songwriter, and I love his music so much. Very inventive, and he's taught me so much about how to write songs. So I love these days when Dwight, and Bob's not even there for the guitar parts, because he trusts me and Dwight, and he can go enjoy his day while me and Dwight hunker down for eight hours and just put candy on all this uh, music. But I remember for Han Solo, Dwight and I were a little stuck, because when you, when you have a canvas that blank, it can just be anything. I mean... You could go in so many different directions, and when you're producing, you want to honor what the spirit is of the song, you know? You can't really do whatever you want, because we know who Bob is as, as an artist, we know who we are as players, we know how we're interfacing and relating to the song and the music, and yes, it does get that heavy, it's not that intense, but these these are conversations you have. And we were trying this and that and putting diamonds on it and do, trying to chug thing and whatever. And I remember we 
went outside just to take a break because you know being in a studio for hours and hours you can feel like a fucking vampire so went outside to get some sun and we were thinking about I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty and I was like you know Jeff Lynn when he produced that he had them just hammer these 12 strings you know like these big open da 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 I won't back down baby there ain't no easy way out. You can hear a 12 string go, ba bing bang 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 And then, so we felt like that was starting to unlock the song a little bit, right? I was like, what if we just put the I Won't Back Down sauce on this, you know? And it became such a really, a fun reference point. Like, we got back in the room and we pulled up I Won't Back Down. And we were like, what works here? What doesn't work, you know? And we didn't totally rip it. Like, I didn't play a slide solo or anything. And then the other thing that you can hear in the song that I was just listening to, because by the way, I listen to all these songs in real time with you, just like a radio show. Another thing I was listening to for um, that I remembered it made me smile was that there's a chugga chugga guitar on the right. It's just going. Dun, 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 uh. All right. And that was like totally the cars. It was like we were just getting excited about the cars and those sounds and this sort of clean, barely broken up guitar that's just shoveling eighth notes. So we double-tracked that, laid those down, and it was starting to feel really nice. And then we did these big diamonds. Diamonds like this. Diamonds is just a big whole note. You know, you let it sit. Get a nice, chimey tone, do a bunch of diamonds. And then there was that hook. Uh, I can't even remember that hook, but there's such a funky guitar hook. And uh, if you go back and listen to that song again, you can just hear all these little elements coming in and out, and that was the, the brilliance of Dwight. We would change our tone, and then we had that really cool descending hook that we were doing on a 12-string. and It's just sonically a, a really pretty little song, and it came together great. Great excuse to sort of talk about that process. Moving right along, some of you were snoring while you're driving. Some of you were driving your kids to school, and that story was so boring that you're snoring and hopefully not going to drive off of a bridge. Um, people have probably heard me talking about a thing called Lunar Satan. Because if you hopped on the ride, you know, the last Lunar Satan jam was maybe five months ago. So Lunar Satan, which this totally all comes from Metal Up Your Podcast. Ethan and I, on some episode, were joking about, you know, the the some of the ridiculous uh, premises of metal. And we were talking about a record about Satan in space. And I got so excited about that idea that I really started it. And it's called Lunar Satan. I've written three songs. Uh, we Ride the Skies. Uh, Come Dark Sun, and then the song I'm about to play for you now, entitled Set the Witch on Fire Again. Check it. Thank you. 
It's an actual witch's spell, by the way. What was brought upon me be returned to you by three. So that's some Lunar Satan sauce for you. It's this exciting side project that I fully intend to finish. I, in fact, wrote um, I wrote some new riffs the other day. I shared some on Instagram Live that are going to, I already know, they're going to be the next Lunar Satan jam. It's another f- fun, up-tempo song. Super evil. Just the, the, the premise that I came up with is that ancient Christians, in an effort to rid the world of evil, froze Satan and shot him out far into space. Okay, and now we're back into modern day, and occultists and and various Luciferian, um, uh, you know, supporters, through various incantations and spells, have located the frozen Satan and have thawed him out. 
And the record is going to be called How Like a Wolf and a Witch Will Open the Door. And the record is going to be the tale of Satan's revenge. Not only on planet Earth, but of course, throughout life in all of the cosmos. And you can... uh, We're not going to talk too much about the Patreon. The Patreon is where you can support the show. It's patreon.com slash Podcast, And it keeps the show ad-free. It gives us value... Um, it, it says that you value the time that we put into this stuff with the TLC, and we do all sorts of stuff to try to give back and make sense. We have There are three Lunar Satan tunes that if you become a patron today, you get downloads of all three of those tunes for motherfucking frizzle, okay? And people ask me almost every week when we're doing Lunar Satan shirts, and that's going to be our next EverPress campaign. We'll be some bitchin' Lunar Satan t-shirts that you can impress all of your friends with at the gym and at church. Right? Okay. Now, I've made no bones about the fact that I love Billie Eilish. She, you, Perhaps you've heard of her. She is this 17, 18-year-old chick that is taking the music world by storm. Um, she's She basically had a little EP out, but she dropped a record at the end of March this year, her debut full length, and it is the number one record in the world. She is the conversation happening right now about music and publishing. She went from playing little clubs to headlining Coachella, Hangout. She's sold out an arena tour in about, I don't know, eight nanoseconds. And they're calling her the voice of a generation, whatever that means. And her music is very simple and minimal, but also very innovative and strange. And sonically, um, sonically, it's just very interesting to listen to as a producer. And a lot of the work I'm doing now, I'm thinking a lot about how her and her brother Phineas, who produced the record, how they did it, you know? How did they do this? How did they make this simple, beautiful, funny music? And um, we're going to explore a song right now called Bad Guy, and this won't be the last we hear of Billie Eilish today, but I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Oh, you're a t- 
When we sleep, where do we go? Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Now, I understand a lot of you out there are metalheads. And I get it. I get that. There was definitely a time in my life where if you had played me that Billy Eilish song, I'd have been like, that's some bullshit. But listen to me, folks. You're, you trust me. You've been on this ride with me. I wouldn't lead you astray. And listen to me when I tell you that shit is dope. All right? It's straight up dope. What can I say? Now we're gonna move on to a little a little precursor, a little treat of what's coming up on Cover Our World Blackened Volume 3. For those of you who may not know what that is, Cover Our World Blackened is a series of EPs that Ethan and I put out that we give to patrons for the first year. I think Cover Our World Blackened Volume 1 was only available to patrons for maybe a year? I, I don't even know anymore. I don't know how time works anymore. But what what it is is we give it to patrons for free and exclusively to them until the next volume comes out. So volume one came out and it was seven um, reimagined Metallica covers where we took some of our favorite Metallica songs and sort of re-recorded them in different ways. I did Fixer and Outlaw Torn, Low Man's Lyric, The Unnamed Feeling. Ethan did Freydens of Sanity, Welcome Home Sanitarium, and The Unforgiven Three. Wonderful original artwork by our, our friend Nick McCoviak and uh, our friend Nathan Thomas mixed it. And it was just part of the incentive of patrons, you know, like we want to give back when you support the show. We've always, always tried to do that. You know, we've given the patrons box sets and all sorts of weird gifts. And, you know, we're giving away two tickets to S&M 2 on September 8th. We're giving those away to patrons. And uh, the the volumes are just, it's a fun self-expression, you know, and Ethan and I are fully capable of producing and uh, playing all the instruments on these songs so we just do it and we've done it while on tour and planes and buses and trains hotel rooms green rooms all across the world even so volume two came out and when volume two came out we made volume one available for those of you who aren't patrons on itunes on spotify on all the bullshit volume two had mama said it had the memory remains die my darling whiskey in the jar the day that never comes motor breath and it was just another fun collection. I think we, I think we, I think that record is better than Volume One. We've learned a lot, and um, Nick McCoviak also contributed another just badass piece of art. Now, what we're excited about is Volume Three. I'm completely done with my side of it. Ethan's still recording his, and for Volume Three, we wanted to try something different, 
and we're not doing Metallica songs. So we're each covering a song from these four bands, these four 90s bands, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Nirvana. And that's, you know, that era of music is just such a huge part of why Ethan and I make music for a living. And so we just thought it'd be fun to pay tribute to that. And um, for those of you who are crossover single podcast theory fans, you'll know that I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I've been on that. um, I've been on their podcast a few times. I was on their Eddie Vedder episode and on their No Code episode. I encourage you to go seek that out if you're a fan of Pearl Jam. And I thought, you know, I was texting with the Brads from SPT about what songs I was going to do. And, you know, I could have done a million. There's so many. I want, I want, the one I wanted to do that was the weirdest was the song called Sleight of Hand from Binaural, but it's just so hard to figure out. I wanted to do Thumbing My Way. I thought about doing Oceans. I thought about doing Of The Girl. Um, and what I landed on was a song that was never actually on a record. This is a song called Long Road. And this was on what was called the Merkin Ball single which was I Got Id and Long Road, which was around the time that the boys minus Eddie were playing on Neil Young's Mirror Ball and touring with Neil. And uh, this has become one of the most beloved Pearl Jam songs over the years. It's it's a great opener. It's a very heavy tune. And um, this is my version of it. This is from Cover Our World Black in Volume 3. And here's my version of Pearl Jam's Long Road. Enjoy.
And there you have it, folks. The Long Road from the forthcoming cover, Our World Black, into Volume 3. Go sign up on Patreon. If you like the show and you can spare it, it's basically like two cups of coffee a month at the $5 level. And we have so many listeners that if enough of you did that, it would it would really sort of explode our conceptions of what Metal Every Podcast could even be because there's all sorts of things that we still want to do that are hard to do just because of those kinds of things, more giveaways and more gifts and all that stuff, all that fun shit. Um, we're also doing this cool thing called Metal Tales from the Road in which you can come on the show and be an ambassador for whatever show you went to. Maybe you went to some, maybe you went to the Orion Festival or you went to one of the big four shows. You were at the 30th anniversary parties or just whatever the normal show was on the Madly in the Anger with the World Tour. So it's another fun thing with the patrons. You know, we've done maybe, we're covering the entire World Wired Tour and uh, we're doing the stadium tour in Europe, the New Zealand Australian dates. We're going to do the SM gigs, which by the way, once again, giving away free tickets, two free tickets, SM2. That's also only available on Patreon. And uh, so the Metal Tales is another cool thing to get people who love the show on the show. And it's this wonderful document. I can't wait to look back at it and see that so many people that supported the show were able to be a part of it at that level. Like they were on the show telling us their Metallica story, their favorite songs, their what they think about Metal Up Your Podcast, blah, 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 blah. Super cool. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to say about any of that stuff, but I hope you liked the Pearl Jam tune. I did send it to some of my Pearl Jam nerd friends, and uh, they they gave it the old seal of approval. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. We got a few more songs here before we say goodbye on this lovely Sunday. And by the way, Memorial Day weekend. To those of you who have served and have family members and or have family members who served or kids or parents, of course, a wonderful time to think about that and think about what that means for someone to devote their life to that or portions of their life to that, the cost of it, the ripple effect, um, good and bad. And uh, it's a good time to just stop and think about that. So to those of you whose lives are affected by that sort of thing, I want to say thank you and hang in there. And, um, you know, it's a nice time to sit back and think about that. Now, I've played Maddie Diaz before. Maddie Diaz is a wonderful singer-songwriter that I met here in Nashville, although... Most of the time that I've been here, she's been living in Los Angeles, pursuing music and doing various nice things out there. She's recently back here again, and uh, a bunch of my, I don't know her super well, you know, like we're acquaintances, and a bunch of my like songwriting buddies went and saw her play the other night, and we were all sort of geeking out. It was a tiny little room, hardly anyone paid attention, you know, she's not super famous or anything, but she's so goddamn talented. And we were all just like, we were all like even like embarrassed to go say hi to her, you know? And it felt good to feel that energy again, being in the, the back of a club and feeling like you're the only one there who gets it, dude. And then later she's just drinking at the bar and we're like, should we go talk to Maddie? We're like 35. We've accomplished some things. We're like, should we go talk to Maddie Diaz? I don't know, dude. Probably not. Yeah, you're probably right, dude. You want to go to Mickey's? Yeah. But wait a minute. She's right there. Let's just go see a good show. Ah, I don't know, man. The, the window's closing. I know, but... Probably make her feel good, dude. No one really listened. Isn't it crazy? No one listened to the show? I know. But she's, prob- that's prob- she's probably not wanting to talk about the show. Ah, let's just go to Mickey's. You want to meet at Mickey's or do you want to go to Twin Kegs? 
I don't know what's the traffic like on the east side right now. I'm just giving you a little brief window into our conversation. We did not end up saying hello to her, but we play it on the bus all the time. We absolutely love this record that she put out called Plastic Moon. And even her friend Paul Moak um, has a co-write on that record. We're not going to play that song right now. This is a song that I love called Johnny. And it's about, you know, her boyfriend Johnny is like wanting to, he's a bad boy and he want, he's drag racing. And, you know, he's got this problem and she's the chick trying to plead with him being like, Johnny, don't race. Johnny, don't race tonight. And uh, the premise when you say it like that is so not great. But check this song out. It's a lot of fun. It's called Johnny. Johnny, god damn it. 
Please, I got a bad feeling. I know you hate to back down. Here's here's what no chick will ever have to tell me, ever. Clint, please don't go drag race tonight. I know you love drag racing. I love you hate to back down. But I'm begging you, I don't feel good about it. Please, Clint, do not drag race tonight down at the quarry. <laughs> we were playing some gig this weekend where... There was like a bunch of ATVs and stuff, and our tour manager was like, "Dude, let's go. Come get on. They let us use an ATV. Let's go on this trail." I was like, "Homie, no offense, man, but I am not getting in a fucking ATV with you, and it has nothing to do with you. I'm not get. I don't like to do things that are dangerous. I don't have a. I don't. I'm not a thrill seeker. I like to live. You know what thrills me? Being alive." No man, we're gonna go jump off. We're gonna go jump off the rock into the river, man. Come on, dude. No, I'm that guy. No, dude, we're gonna go bungee jumping off. Of, we're gonna. Go, who knows what the thing is? What's the thing? We're gonna. We're just gonna get on a motorcycle. No, absolutely not. No, and no offense to you out there who do all those things. My wife's one of those people. My wife loves to jump out of shit. She loves bungee jumping, and you know she loves dangerous shit. Anyway, that was Johnny, Plastic Moon, Maddie Diaz. She's wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. What can I say? Now, there's a chick I write with a lot named Annie Wilgen. She's great. We've been writing together for years and years and years. And, and um, most of what we were writing, you know, she's an artist too. And it's, it's, you know, we live in Nashville and she's got a nice country voice. And we wrote a lot of country songs, a lot of it. I mean, probably written 30 or 40 songs with Annie. And they're some of my best songs. Some of the songs I wrote with Annie were part of the reason that I got my first publishing deal, you know. And um so we've just learned how to work together. We've learned how we've learned how to complement each other um for what we bring to the table in a write. And she's so good that if I'm writing with a second person or a different person, especially if they're new, new to me, I'll bring her in, you know what I mean? Like she'll, she'll I'll make her a third on the right all the time cuz she's She's great with melody and top line. and So we were just getting kind of bored with everything we've been writing over the years and wanting to try something different. We both love this Billie Eilish record, okay? So I was like, hey, maybe the next eight writes, let's just write, let's just make it the weirder the better, you know? Like, let's not worry about it being um, pitched to Carrie Underwood or something, which is what we usually have to think about. Oh, Carrie Underwood's looking for a song about this. Carly Pierce wants to hear a song about this. Uh, Runaway June would, you know, we're going to write this for Runaway June. We're going to write this for whoever the fuck. Lady Annabellum or all those bands. Little Big Town. You know, because getting cuts on those records really moves the needle for you as a songwriter. And uh, But I just think it's also important to feed your soul. Um, because I had like a mental breakdown a few months ago where I was just overworked and I... A lot of the work I was doing wasn't stuff I personally and spiritually enjoyed. And I had a really scary 48 hours where it really took a lot of my friends and my wife to sort of calm me down and keeping me from quitting music and just moving to a cave somewhere. And it's because I wasn't feeding myself, you know. I wasn't... I'm still learning how to balance all of this stuff because I have no... um, moral or artistic problem whatsoever writing commercial music or doing assignment writing trying to write a specific thing for an artist I have no 
problem with that. I mean, the tradition of that goes back to my heroes, you know, Carol King and Randy Newman, all right, and uh, Diane Warren and, you know, just Leonard Cohen, just amazing songwriters that have always done this, you know. John and Paul wrote songs for other people under different names, okay? No, Elvis didn't even write any of his own songs. Hank Williams wrote songs for people. But what I'm learning is that I have to be discriminant and thoughtful about how I'm balancing out that kind of output with what brings me joy. And I think Annie was in a similar spot. So she came in, she had the idea where... She's in a new relationship. She was with a guy for a long time. It didn't work out. She's been really bummed about it. So she's with this new guy, and it's going real good, according to her. I don't know him. And we don't really talk that much when we're not writing. But in the uh, usually when you do a write, you're doing the catch-up. Hey, how are you? What's going on with you? And she said that the night before, she was that we wrote the song this week, by the way. She said the night before, she had this horrible dream where in the dream she was cheating on her boyfriend. And she was talking about how confusing and weird that is because she's really actually happy. And so I was like, well, what's going on? Like, I'm I'm not one of these dreams mean a bunch of stuff, dude. I'm not one of those people. Psychoanalysis, which was invented by Sigmund Freud, is dead. You're not going to find... You're not going to unlock your neurosis by analyzing your dreams, folks. Because we don't know shit about dreams. But we were just speculating, what could it mean? It's like, well... Is your dream telling you maybe you don't believe you deserve to be happy and so in your dream you're sabotaging this happy relationship? Or are you afraid to get close to this new person and so in the dream you're being intimate with a stranger? You know what I mean? And so we started talking about all that and that's what ended up becoming the song called Bad Dreams. And we just, anytime that we were doing, put had our songwriter's hats on and we're like correcting the lyric to be broad and vague like to appeal to many people like we normally do when we write country songs we were like no every line we were like make it weirder how can we say the same thing but make it weirder and then musically I was putting the track together and it's one of my favorite things that I've written and produced in a long time and it's very left of center and no one again I like I love sharing these songs with you people I feel like we've found our mail up your podcast people the people who listen to the radio shows are the deep the deep uh, cut listeners. And I love sharing this music with you because I don't know where it's going to live or what it's going to do, you know? Publisher freaked out about it and they're trying to get it in film and TV, which may happen. But for now, it's just brand new and raw and cool. And this is a song called Bad Dreams. And you heard it here first, my friends. Check it. I'm falling 
Bad Dreams. I sent that to my friend Derek, who's also a songwriter and a producer, and he said, dude, this, this track is crazy. It sounds like the soundtrack to Interstellar. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, that's that's a, that's out of all compliments. That's one of them. That is a compliment, I suppose. You guys ever seen the movie Interstellar? The Christopher Nolan film? Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine? Hello, I'm Michael Caine. She was only 17. Um, the movie makes me cry. It's a, it's a powerful film. I highly recommend it. Um, what else is there to say? Are there other things to say? I want to play you one more song, and then I want to get out of here. And by, and by the way, it's only 4.30 now, so what the fuck am I going to do the rest of the evening? Holy shit. I'll figure it out. I'll figure something out. I always do. Now, I want to leave you with a... So, I played you that Billie Eilish tune, Bad Guy, earlier, and that's kind of her fun, dark, I'm a bad guy. I like bad guys. I'll seduce your dad guy. And I like all that, but what's surprising is about the record, and I do hope you'll all check it out. I really hope you'll check out the whole record. I think it's going to win several Grammys, um, and there's definitely going to be a lot of people imitating her over the next five years, but... What might surprise you about the record itself is that a lot of the music is really delicate and really beautiful and almost um, really classy. She kind of has this crooning, mellow vibe, and her brother Phineas plays this beautiful piano. So I'm going to leave us with, um, I might come back at the end of the song and say uh, goodbye, but this is one of my favorite songs from the record, and I believe her brother Phineas wrote the whole thing himself. 
And uh, it's it's a fitting tune to hear at the end of the radio episode. It's called When the Party's Over. Let's check it out. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Billie Eilish, when the party's over. Well, we did it, folks. Another radio episode under our belts. I feel closer to you. I feel closer to the nameless, anonymous group of people I imagine are listening to this. And I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend. I hope you're having a good time with your kids and your family. I hope you are spending time with your parents and your loved ones, and your friends. Hope you're mentally taking care of yourselves. And I hope you're enjoying Metal Up Your Podcast. If you are enjoying it, we do encourage you all to leave a positive review on iTunes. It goes a long way. 
A lot of people are listening to all sorts of different podcasts. And then, in fact, there are many different Metallica podcasts to listen to. And the reviews go a long way in helping other people who are lost out there in podcast land find their way. Think of it that way. Think of you're leaving them little proverbial metal breadcrumbs back home. Back home where the podcasts are. And if you really dig the show and you want to get involved with what makes the show work on a truly fundamental level, check out the Patreon. Again, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash metal up your podcast. We're giving away two free tickets to SNM2. Cover all black and volume three is coming out. And the metal tails are cranked up. And after the tour, we'll of course open the metal tails up to any show that you've gone to in your whole wonderful life. Isn't that nice? Bob Schneider and I have our own other podcast called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Generally, the consensus is that people like it. We have 70 positive reviews on iTunes. If you've also listened to that show, go leave us a review there. Go, You know what you'll do? If you go to iTunes right now and just take the time to leave these reviews, Type go to podcasts and type in Clint Wells, and both of my podcasts will show up. Just leave a quick little review that says, I like it. You know how you're going to feel when you're done with that? You know how fucking accomplished you're going to feel? Because there are people out there who hear us talk about the reviews every week, and they're like, fuck, I keep meaning to do it. I know that there are you out there that do that, like, fuck, every time. Well, just do it. And then you get to to reward yourself. Go get that ice cream sundae. Go get that fucking pizza. Go buy the new thing you want. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk here at the end of the episode. And and truthfully, honestly, and sincerely, thank you to all of you who listened. You guys know how we feel about you. We've been a fan-friendly podcast since day one. We love you. We love being on this ride, and we appreciate your support. And we'll catch you on the flip-flop. I'm signing out. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Peace.